Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be back in here. We just couldn't get over our, our service last night. I was listening to it again today, and man, the Holy Ghost is just strong. I was hollering around the house by myself. But God is good. Amen. So, so, so anxious and excited to see what he has in store for us tonight. It's just an honor. It's just a privilege to be here, to be able to come and worship him. Hallelujah. So let's just get our minds on God.
favorite hymns, amen. We should always be growing, always moving from faith to faith, amen. Looking for that higher plane.
mercy and thank God for His grace. Hallelujah. I'm just uh, amazed. And my wife was talking about how that word just came out to her. And, never seen it like that before and I know how that feels when you experience something like, like that and the word just seems to come out at you and you just it kind of grabs you your attention and there's so much about it that that you and I you know if we really would come to that place in our in our hearts we really want to know God to really want to get close to him, we would find out how how much his word will come to life. Uh, I've been doing my best. I, I don't know everything. I don't claim to be a know-it-all. I'm thankful for what I know. Yes. And and you know, myself, I, I always, um, it takes me a little while to be able to really grasp something, I have to go back and I have to read and come back and read again. And I just, you know, and to a lot of people, you know, they get bored at, you know, doing that. Some people get excited when they read certain material and some people get bored with certain other material. But but when it comes to the Word of God, it's something and, and um, so, you know, in, in my, in my time and in my studies, uh, and I wish I, I had the opportunity to take Hebrew back in the 90s and it was offered to me and, and it was already paid for, but the time, the timeline, or the, the, the night it was offered was night we had Bible study, so I couldn't do it. And I thought to myself, man, if I would have just you know, if it would have worked out to where it wasn't on a night where we had Bible study, I would have been glad to go to learn Hebrew. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I have kind of, in, in a sense, I'll say it that way, I've delved or I've kind of done a little digging. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm not a Greek scholar. Um, I have studied a little bit of the Greek. I have studied a little bit of the Hebrew just enough to get me by, just to understand. And of course, we, we look at it this way. We, we don't really understand, you know, language. And did you know that language even has a slang? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has a slang. You can go to different places and some some words we use can mean something else, somewhere else. It's got a slang to it. And that's how, that's how Hebrew is. It's got a slang to it. I never realized there was anything called Hebrew linguistics. And, and every every term or every uh, you know the way that they interpret it, and, I, and of course, if you ever study the Hebrew language, which I'm right now in my in my years, I'm I took it upon myself, thanks to my brother David, to study Hebrew. So I'm studying Hebrew now, and um, and and my approach is I have to go back, I have to go back, I have to go back, because you can't just. You know, the, the, any certain word or even the letters of the alphabet, we always think of it as meaning one thing. But in the Hebrew, it doesn't. It means several things. But on that part of it, you have to 
be able to put it into context on how God is speaking it or why he's speaking it, even the meaning of it. So it's almost like, you know, when the Bible says that, uh, Solomon said that these writings, they're dark sayings. I'm just paraphrasing. They're dark sayings. In other words, what does he mean? He's talking about they're, they're difficult for people to understand. They just can't grasp. They can't understand it. But, and that's the reason why it's like that with everybody. But let me tell you something. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to really take it upon yourself to really know God. To really know Him. And, and let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's a lot different. It's a lot different. I know this because I, I took philosophy. I studied philosophy. And I'll tell you something. Philosophy has nothing on the Word of God. And, and, and the teachings of men have nothing on the Word of God. And the religions of men have nothing on the Word of God. There's, there's so much that is there. but And the thing is, we can't say that, oh, you know, it's boring to me. No, 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 no. It's not boring if you really want to know Him. He will reveal himself to you. Amen. If you if you have somebody that you know as a close friend, you you develop a relationship and you're close, you're a close friend, and then pretty soon they begin to trust you and they begin to really connect with you. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna reveal to you their secrets. They're gonna confide in you. They're gonna amen share what's on their heart with you. That's how it is with the Lord. Yeah. If you put yourself in that place with Him, man, I tell you what, the things that He can, amen, teach you, and the things that He can show you, the things that can be revealed, it's, it's amazing. And you know, to me, the Word of God is not boring. I just can't seem to get enough of it. So I'm, here I am, I'm, I'm chasing this. You know, Paul said that I'm apprehended that which I'm apprehended of. In other words, just let me paraphrase it. He said, I'm chasing him down. He's chased me down, so now I'm chasing him down. Amen. I thank God that he chased me down. So now I'm chasing him down. So it's something. And, and you know, to really think about you know, what it is as far as uh, what Paul said. He said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, there's a reason why he wrote that. Because even Paul himself, could you imagine being taken up into the third heaven? And, and hearing things that he said were lawful for a person to utter, unlawful for a person to utter. He heard things, amen, the Lord revealed to him so much. And, and guess what? Here's the thing about it. Whatever it was that the Lord revealed to Paul, it obviously made an impact on him. He said, I can't really mention it. You ever wonder why, why it is when he said that, uh, praise God, that we can't even comprehend. We're, we're trying to be teachers and we can't even comprehend. Why? Because we're babes. We're only used to milk. We're not used to strong meat. 
and, and, and so we get to that point and see it's a challenge it's a challenge that's why that's why I feel this in my heart I feel this that so many things that you and I are going to experience and witness and see in the final days God is going to impart unto us the wisdom and the knowledge that he wants us to have so that we can experience and we can make it out of this world otherwise if you don't if you don't have an interest let me tell you something it's going to be too late when that trumpet blows and you're not there all because you didn't have an interest or you didn't have a desire or you couldn't you know love God and follow him oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out Does this, it's a challenge does that mean that we can't do it that's not what it means right we can apply ourselves to it, but guess what? We will never come to the end of it. Yeah. It's like that old uh, that movie, The Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear. To infinity and beyond. Well, that's where you can go. Yeah. And the, the further you go, the further you're going to keep on going. I mean, when you think you've... you've You've acquired it all. You won't acquire it all. God will show you there's more. It'll take you. It'll take you to eternity. Amen. So what we're doing here is well worth it. I'm glad I'm in church tonight. How about you? I just I just can't figure out how anybody that experienced what we have been experiencing the last few nights, touched by God, feeling God. Why is it they're not back for more? Why is it they're not here? It's just, it blows my mind. I just say, Lord, have mercy. Rather believe the devil. Rather believe a lie than believe God. Right. Amen. Maybe some of my work. I don't know. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the reason. But sometimes, most of the time, it's not. Yeah. Praise God. Saturday night. No better place to be in the house of God. With God's people and feeling the presence of God. So I'm so thankful. Amen. I want to turn it over to Brother Craig again tonight. So as he comes up here to... Minister and obey the word of the Lord. Obey the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap.
week after week after week after week. God's been good to us. I don't know what the average would be, but you're in service at least four or five nights a week. And uh, multiply that times 365 days. It's a lot of church, isn't it? Yeah. But I never tire of it. Never tire of it. Praise God. We took the car down this morning, early this morning, I took the car down to Sinclair Station to get an oil change. And uh, it was about at that that mileage marker for an oil change. And so, you know, God's been giving us an oil change. The car probably has that that feature that tells you it's time for an old change. Some people just never pay attention to it. I'll get another 2,000 miles out of that. Pretty soon you hear something click, 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 Kind of like the blonde woman that said, honey, something wrong with the motor. Well, have you checked the oil? She said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, all the lights on the dash are on, so everything must be fine. about misreading something, you know. Pay attention to your dashboard. If you're happy for an old change, say amen. Let's get into the word of the Lord. We will hasten and not... Labor the time. Grab your Bibles, stand with us. Oh, thank the Lord. I'm excited. Turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. We'll begin in the book of beginnings. place to begin huh? in the beginning. Genesis 1 and 12 and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good, self-sustaining, recognized the seasons, knew when to drop seed. The seed responded to the season, and it was just a constant year after year. That's just what Genesis 1 and 12 was in a nutshell. Now go over to uh, Isaiah 37. Isaiah 37 and verse 31. When you have it, say, I'm there. Isaiah 37, 31, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit 
upward. <laughs> this is a thought that your pastor shared with me probably a couple of years ago, huh? So I'm going to steal his thunder. If you've heard this message already, forgive me. How many of you like leftovers? They have a little more flavor the second time, don't they? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, here we are again, Father, as we hold this word of life. I pray a spirit of divine impartation be upon every one of us that are here tonight. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful people of God. Lord, I pray that you would arrest our attention as we give of ourselves to you, Lord, for a few moments tonight. Anoint us and, Lord, minister to this body. Impart the divine to the root system of this church. Lord, and let us respond not only in kind but in season to the work that you want to do through this church in this city. The outreach that will go far beyond our imagination, Lord. I pray that you would awaken those desires within us, passion, consecration, commitment, Lord, sacrifice. Take us where you want us to be, Lord, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hold on to your Bibles. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings 19. Second Kings nineteen. The record is verbatim, except with the addition in verse number thirty of what we just read in Isaiah thirty seven and thirty one. It is verbatim with the addition of one word, amen. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall, here's the one word that's added, yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Let's read. A few verses, and so you can capture this picture. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. They that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. That means he's got his war garment on. He shall do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. I like this. Yeah. By the way that he came, 
by the same shall he return. The Lord's just going to grab that rascal by the nap of the neck and say, listen here. I'm going to start moving on the behalf of my people. You've had your time. You've raised hell with them. Now I'm going to dispense of you because you have proven yourself to be an enemy of my church. Stay in church, please. Don't just stay on the parameters of the edges. Get in. Get prayed through and stay prayed through. Hallelujah. So he goes on to say, For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the Lord summoned the angel of the Lord. He went out and smote the camp of the Assyrians and hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. 185,000 men. God, when he speaks, he means business. So, if the Lord leads me in the direction uh, tomorrow, this is almost a preclude to what God has given me here tonight. It's almost in two parts. But I want to help somebody to get planted on that launching point because you have to be ready and equipped for the things that God wants to do. You can't be out of kilter. I believe I heard the pastor say that here a night or two ago. You can't be off balance. It's going to be the minority of the church that's going to cause revival. Because as beautiful as this setting looks, most of the time, not everybody has a passion for a true move of God. Yes, sir. Some people are just here. Uh-huh. And uh, that's just the way it is. Yep. They never move. They stay in that wallowed out place in the corner in their seat. They never move. They never do nothing. But there's 20% of you that say, hey, listen, I'm going to get behind my man of God because he has a vision. And he shared a little bit of his heart this morning about the will of God for this city. And it just, it made me feel so humble and yet so good at the same time that he cares enough to want to see a work of God done in this city. But it doesn't just include this city, it includes so much more than this. It's going to be a great move of God. So you need to get yourself ready. You need to get yourself ready. I'm not surprised at the instability of people, and I agree with your pastor, it's beautiful as God has been moving on our behalf and yet people just, they don't come back. They're serving their God. It's themselves. Amen. So, I'm glad you're here. Am I discouraged? Absolutely not. Because we are still within the parameters of the will and word of God. God knows what he's doing. Amen. So, I'm going to steal the pastor's thunder and I'm going to 
speaker. <laughs> See how he looks at me when I get the title. Somebody watching. <laughs> I want to talk about the Maris stamp. And if you'll go ahead and put that first slide up there for me, if you would, where it shows just the plant. I asked the media department to help me out if they can. Did you lose it, bro? Froze up. Froze up on you. Okay, that'll be okay. I can talk for a minute. I never run out of anything to say. As soon as you can get it up there, just go ahead and slap it up there. I want you to get this into your mind, what the Maris stem is. In the meantime, let me share a story with you. It was 5.30 a.m. on March 13, 1933, that a giant yet vigorous redwood tree crashed to the floor of the California forest. Its fall ended a life of more than 1,200 years. A section of the stump was removed and studied and through the science of tree ring chronology, scientists pieced together the life of this tree. It sprouted as a seedling that fell to the ground near 700 AD. In 1147, evidenced by a ring shake in the trunk of the tree, there was an earthquake that separated the bark from the rest of the trunk. A stringy white rot set in, but the tree was strong and it isolated this rot and snuffed it out. The tree grew rather than weaker, stronger. Years marched past, some good years of rapid growth and other years of near stagnation. At one point, 112 years added only eight inches. At another point, 100 years added 36 inches to the tree. In 1595, when Shakespeare was a young traveling actor, a forest fire raged through the forest, and the burn that attacked the tree left behind a fungus that grew beneath the bark. But because of its root system that descended to the depths of the soil and its branches climbing over 300 feet to the sunlight, the tree grew stronger. Whether it was accident, lightning, or careless campfire, in 1789 there was another forced fire, and then another in 1806, and again the most serious of all in 1820. The last fire left a 13-foot scar that marred forever the beauty of the tree. But far worse than the scar, it burned away the root system of the north side of the tree. Slowly, at first imperceptibly, but inevitably, the tree began to lean toward those missing roots. 
It was just now in the prime of its life, 320 feet tall, weighing more than 500 tons, crippled by fire. For more than a century, it struggled against this wound that would not heal. So it was on that quiet spring morning, almost 89 years ago, a point of critical balance was reached. It may have been a tiny bird landing on a northern branch or a light southern breeze hardly felt and the tree came crashing down. The meristem, the meristem is God-given, it's that seed that rebuilds. We read it in Genesis chapter one, verse 12, but it lives in the root system. And so I'll get out of the way, but I just want to point out here, what happens here beneath the surface of the soil and the root system will determine what happens up here. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if lightning strikes, spiritually speaking, fires, natural disasters, anything can destroy that plant and it can get into the root system, the meristematic tissue will be destroyed. And so the scripture said, those that are escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward so that they could bear fruit upward. There is a spiritual, if I could say it this way, there is a spiritual science to the way God has made things. Now I want you to look at that. I'll get out of the way. Can you guys see the picture over there? But that's that's the meristem. The meristem lives down in the root system. And you see the apical, the lateral, the intercalary, and the apical meristem even up on top. Everything that it affects is put there by the design of the master, the great architect. He said all of that lives in the structure of one little seed. The most important part to any plant life is the meristem tissue. Look at somebody and tell them that. And if you can get to the other slides, brother, show me. I've, I've got a couple of pictures. These are trees. This one here was lightning struck. And according to the story, this one too as well was lightning struck. But according to the stories that were there, it took them years, but they began to grow again. Now, this particular tree right here, believe it or not, survived the atomic blast over Hiroshima. For many years, they said the landscape was grayish black. It looked as if death reigned there. But because of the meristematic tissue within the plant life, Amen. years later, this tree began to grow again. Wow. It doesn't look like much, 
But you can tell where they haven't supported by a few posts. But they said this tree began to grow again. Amen. It healed from its wounds Amen. because of the meristematic tissue Amen. that is put there by God in the plant life. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So let me read again just that one line in our text. He said, they're yet again going to take root downward. So they will be able to grow again. Wow. Blew my mind when you read what happened there and the pressure of that atomic bomb that just literally vaporized everything. And yet, because of the seed that God put in this tree, it began to grow again. Mm. I want to walk us through the text give you an idea of where Israel is in its history in this moment when the writers have recorded this scripture that we read for our text the Assyrians having in their two recent invasions of Jerusalem and Israel they have come in and their intent was to completely depopulate Israel so they not only begin to ravage the sea countries of Israel and Jerusalem as far as Jerusalem but they began to go through even the country districts and the villages and they began to kill people history says that there was countless numbers that were slain they the Assyrians took more than 200,000 captives but there was what the writer told us. There was a remnant that escaped. It was just a few of them that got away. Guess where they were from? They were from the tribe of praise. Don't ever let the devil steal your praise. It doesn't matter how you feel. You ought to come into the house of God and have your praise. I don't care what kind of mood you're in. Let me say it this way. I don't care who you think you are. You ought to come into the house of God and always have a praise on your heart for the King of Kings. If he really means that much to you, you always, even on a midweek service, you always should have a praise in your heart. I'm saying it that way because Jesus said there's a lot of them that praise me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So always have a praise on your heart. But sometimes we're so busy fighting battles that and our, our concentration is taken by home life and relationships with deadhead significant others that don't want to live for God and, and it affects you and you come in here all bent out of shape and until you learn to grow up from that it's going to keep happening that's part of the process of maturity it's a little secret I just stuck that in there so write it down okay <laughs> Put this in parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. Parenthetical phrase. No pain. 
No game. So, his number one goal, and this is why the Lord got so upset. He said, listen, you're not just fighting any common people. You are fighting my people. Yeah. So I'm going to have to walk in again as the Lord of hosts, and I'm going to do to Assyria what he's been doing to my people. So let's issue this warrant for the enemy. Those that have made themselves an enemy to this church, an enemy to this ministry. They're on the hit list tonight. So you stay out of the way and you let God do what he wants to do. Don't be trying to pamper somebody that secretly fights against this church. Get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. You know why they call you hypocrites? Because they don't want to come to church. That's just their excuse. That's just an excuse for them not to want to come to church. I say, I contend. I grew up to a point where I said to myself, Nothing's going to offend me. And even if there is a hypocrite in church, I'm still going to go to church because I know I'm not a hypocrite. And I'm certainly not going to let a hypocrite out shout me. Yeah, hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with the church of the living God. There's something wrong with people's opinions, but there's nothing wrong with the church of the living God. <laughs> oh, it used to get me when we'd be at different conferences, camp meetings, and somebody inevitably would get up and I'll tell you what's wrong with the church. There's nothing wrong with the church. Might be something wrong with individuals, but... Man, don't grade me by some deadhead. Yeah. I can't take that back now. It's out there. Right. So the Lord said, listen, the enemy's gonna do everything he can to depopulate you. Pastor Harold Marshall, if you end up with ten people. You will still see revival. Because God has a knack of taking those out of the way that don't want to serve God. He's going to put in here people that love holiness. People that are going to be grateful to come in here and worship God. They don't have the attitude that they have to be here. They don't mind driving to church. I can see them already. Out of the God already. Let me see a vision of this place full of people. And he's not doing it just because I said it. He's doing it because he said it. So the devil might think he's going to depopulate this church. And oh, bless the Lord. They'll have to close their They won't have to close their doors. In fact, I, I feel like you need to start making preparation to expand. 
because it is coming soon. Somebody say hallelujah. So Isaiah uses this agricultural metaphor to describe this moment in Israel's history. He begins to talk about a plant. This plant was nearly destroyed. There was an attempt to uproot it. And the Lord said, oh no, that's not going to happen. So the remnant that is left, he said, they're going to take root downward and they're going to start bearing fruit upward. So I get to the point where I want to address the first slide that I showed you about the meristematic tissue. That one right there. In plant life, there is this innate immunity. God put a defense system within the seed of all plant life. It is called the meristematic tissue, or it is called the meristem, or it has been called the meristem line. The meristem is responsible for forming new cells from cells that have been injured or damaged. They form a protective covering that not only covers the wound, but as it aids in the healing of the wound, it attracts more cells that bring more life back into the body. So while it is restoring itself, revival is taking place. There is a meristematic tissue in the church. You know what it's called? It's called the seed of the word of God. Stand upon the word, not the opinions of man. Stand upon the word, not philosophy. themselves not only help the healing but they prevent infection from spreading Come on. and help the plant regain its ability to grow the meristem tissue has the ability to know when a tree by weight out of balance is leaning one way too much to one or the other sides and it will send a signal to the branches on the left side and says this tree in order for it to grow properly needs to be rebalanced so it will send these cells to that side of the tree and begin to grow a branch just to bring balance to the tree so that tree can hit full maturity. Don't ever think the devil's going to defeat you. Don't ever think that one side's going to get out of kilter and you'll just lose balance. No, God has that meristematic tissue in the church and he knows how to bring spiritual equilibrium. You're in the same place. 
David said, my feet are on even ground. Not stacking around. One leg's not shorter than the other, even though some kind of look that way. It prevents infections. Helps the plant to regain its ability to grow. Now listen to this. It just keeps getting awesomer and awesomer. God loves to awesomeize us, huh? Yeah. Why don't you look at somebody and tell them and say, God knows how to awesomeize us. The meristem grows molecular patterns that are custom fit for that specific plant. All right. And for its specific womb. So when the atomic bomb went off, boom. Life was vaporized. Everything that was above the surface there in Hiroshima and Nagasaki was wiped out. But what the atomic pressure did not hit was the root system. Amen. So even though plant life above the ground was dead or looked like it was dying, there was meristematic tissue that was beneath the surface. And they say it was like this for years until all of a sudden one day they began to look over this landscape of gray and ashen pale color and they began to see green little buds begin to sprout forth. If atomic pressure cannot stop the meristematic move of God, what's our excuse tonight? We should be the ones that are standing, amen, because we have a solid root system, amen. Let the winds blow, let Satan hurl bombs at us. He might wipe out some of the branches, but as long as we have a good root system, God said, I'm going to use the remnant to bring in revival. Custom fit for living stone apostolic church. God has a catalog of every battle that you have ever fought. He has recorded in his book every word that's ever been spoken against this church and against his anointed. And the Lord said, you've made yourself an enemy, amen, to my church. And so I'm donning the robes of the Lord of hosts. And like he did to the Assyrians, he said, you might have three or 400,000 surrounding Israel, but all I need is just one angel. There are angels amongst us. Oh, last night one kept bumping up against me and I'm trying to preach and I can feel it. I knew the fan, this little fan wasn't going, I don't think, but last night I was feeling billows of wind coming from this direction. I'm like, okay, Jesus. The Lord, all he needs is one angel. Let God take care of them, okay? Put them in God's hands. Don't stop loving them, but stop wasting precious energy and dragging people to church that don't want to be here. God knows.
knows what he's doing. You say, preacher, that sounds mean. No, God knows what he's doing. And he doesn't want you to waste your time on somebody. Amen. He said, whatever you do, don't cast your pearl before swine. Let's love him. Oh, I feel the spirit of prophecy here right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Those of you that are here and those that could be here and are not, but I'm talking to you that are here tonight. Let's get healed up. Let's let this tissue begin to move through our lives and begin to bring balance and healing to us so that we can become what God wants us to be because the Lord has great intentions for this church. In this end time sweep of his arm, God is doing tremendous things. Now don't grade yourself by what's happening down in Tennessee. Don't grade yourself by what's happening in California or Nevada or the Carolinas, I can give you first-hand information that they're fighting just like you are. Amen. But the devil's not big enough to stop what God is going to do. He might try to use people, but God said, all I need is one angel to go into Vermillion, South Dakota, and he'll begin to dispense my power to fight for my people. So, as Isaiah pointed to this agricultural metaphor to describe this moment in Israel's history, we are in Scripture likened to vineyards and churches. We are likened to vines, to branches, to trees. But when you stop to consider this biblical fact that we had our beginning in a garden, Adam was expelled from the said garden called Eden. Mm -hmm. The prophet Isaiah called us the planting of the Lord. The day that the Lord resurrected Mary and some of the disciples came, they looked right at Jesus. Actually, it was an angel, excuse me. They looked at an angel who heralded the news. He's not here, he's risen. But they supposing him to be a gardener. That's okay. We'll take that. Because within this agricultural metaphor, it was still in the book. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, you're a precious vine. So you're the planting of the Lord. Tell them that. You're the planting of the Lord. Your enemies can't uproot you. The devil can't uproot you. Compromise is not going to uproot you. Right. Hallelujah. God said, I have an agenda. And this is what I want to do. You're getting ready to step into great restoration. So he gives us another metaphor. Through the hand of Job. Job says, for there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down. Now, between those two commas, he doesn't give us, Brother Aaron, the amount of time that's between them. 
It's just cut down. It could have been freshly cut down. It could have been sitting there for 50 or 60 years, but the tree is cut down. He said, but it will sprout again. Because the meristematic tissue is custom fit for you. The Lord doesn't use a band-aid approach. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't put a band-aid on you and say, get well. Give you a heart-shaped balloon filled with helium that says, get well soon. Put a band-aid on you and expect you to go out. No. God customizes a meristematic cell tissue that comes down to fit you. Because I've got problems that you know nothing about. But I know you've got situations that I know nothing about. Now God's not going to take the same band-aid and put it on you that he's going to put on me. He said your problems are a little different than theirs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to order these cells to customize a fit for Brother Sinaway. Because what he's going through, she doesn't understand. But because I'm God, I know how to fit a custom fit. I know how I want to heal him. I know how I want to strengthen him. I want to reinforce his root system. Because I want to see fruit. Somebody say God wants to see fruit. The beautiful thing about it is, even though the gospel is universal, this healing process is not a one-size-fits-all. I think that's worthy of a thank you, Jesus. Man, man, man. Mm. As honorary as some of you are. Not heads. I'm just repeating what one of your elders said. God knows some of you are stubborn. God knows some of you are not heads. But he's got a solution, they said in Memphis, to your pollution. You're interesting to God. Not because of your personality. Not because of your pedigree. Not because of the certificates that you have on the wall. You are identified by one thing. And that one thing is a name. And his name is Jesus. Even though we're up north here in the vineyard of God here in South Dakota, God identifies his church because he sees the blood. And when he sees the blood, he knows his name is here. He said, Vermillion's battles are different than Memphis, Tennessee. Vermillion's battles are different than Dallas, Texas. And so I'm going to customize a move of the Holy Ghost that's going to work against Vermillion's
There's a lot of history to this church, isn't there? There's some good history. There's some bad history. Good experiences. Bad experiences. Great successes. And harsh failures. But I even so in the midst of all that, God said, there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Because I have customized a fit with this meristematic tissue. The meristem is at work. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth. He said death takes over. And the stock thereof does die in the ground. He said you get so much of the trunk of this specimen tree. He said you see so much of it even to a certain degree of the subterranean level, he said, it's dying. He said, but let it die. Because the resurrection and the life was the one that planted the seed. Let it die. He reassured us by the hands of the gospel writers. He said, except the corn of wheat die. And then be put into the ground that abideth alone. Yeah. But if it die and be thrown into that earthly grave, yeah. once the meristematic tissue begins to work in that seed, that seed doesn't lay there dormant and it doesn't produce another seed. It begins to produce fruit. It begins to produce stocks. It begins to produce branches. And he said when it's done, there's a whole cob of fruit that came from that one seed. So take heart, church. Take heart tonight. Don't be discouraged. Oh, my, 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 my. Though the root thereof wax old. Look at somebody and ask them, say, are you waxing old? <laughs> Getting Brother Dan Edwards in trouble here. <laughs> I know that look, Brother. I get it too. <laughs> Jesus isn't scared of death. He said, it, it's, it, it looks dead, but it looks dead for a reason. He said, because what is happening is the Maristam is still working underneath. It's the meristem that catches the scent of water. That source of water may be three feet away. It might be 200 feet away. But something in that molecular structure of the meristem says, hey, I catch the scent of water. Root system. Let's take a turn here toward the north. Because somewhere up there is a water supply. Your root system may be dying, but that meristem in you says, listen, I've got to get down there to the, where the water supply is. Amen. I'm not talking about a man-made well. I'm talking about living water. And when we walk in here, everything that is dying comes to life again. What the world said wouldn't happen is going to happen when they say there's no 
stayed the course. Is this all right tonight? Now let's just say praise the Lord. So when it catches the scent of water, it doesn't just stay there and waterlog and continue to die. The Bible says it begins to produce a shoot. Doesn't look like much, but it's a shoot. It's a bud. He said, and that thing that's been dying and dead seemingly begins to bud. And by the time it's done, there's so many branches that are weighted down with fruit until you just start passing it out. What once was dead is alive again. Woo! Let's take a moment. If you need the Holy Ghost tonight, I beseech you to receive it. It's a gift. We sang happy birthday here the last few days to a couple of different people. I'm sure during the process of the time, their birthdays, they were given gifts, weren't they? Now, did Sister Sierra and uh, what's the little girl's name last night? Kaylani. Did they have to beg for that gift? No. When it was given to them, they just opened it up. Yeah. All right. Sierra's not here to pick on her. So, all you've got to do tonight is receive it. Yes, sir. Break the mold. You don't beg for a gift. You receive it. <coughs> so there is a tree that draws attention in the Gospel of Luke. The vineyard order comes. He's walking through. He's been on a journey. He walks through his vineyard and he sees one of the trees and he approaches it brother Dan for a little sustenance a little strength he walks up to the tree and he begins to look through and there's no fruit so the vineyard owner says to the vineyard dresser cut this thing down and get it out of the way and he makes a statement that is a very powerful statement. In the KGV language, he says, cut it down. And then he asks a question to the vineyard dresser. He said, how long has it been like this, that it's been looking pretty, but there's no fruit? The vineyard dresser said, sir, it's been three years that that tree's been in that condition. He said, okay. Cut it down and throw it into the fire. Not only is it not bearing fruit, but why cumbereth it the ground? And he's having this dialogue with the vine dresser, the vineyard owner is. And the vineyard dresser takes a hard swallow. He said, Lord, it's been that way three years. But just give me one more year. With it. 
would you allow me just for one more year? I know it doesn't look good and know there's no fruit there. But just allow me, sir, one more year. Somebody here tonight is getting one more year. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, you are getting one more year. Because the vineyard dresser said, let me preach to them for one more service. Don't count them out just yet. Let me teach one more Bible study. Maybe all it's going to take is just one more Bible study. I know it doesn't look with it. The man of God's down on his knees saying, Lord, just give me one more year with that unproductive saint. I know he or she's been in a lot of trouble, but just give me one more year. Can you imagine the burden that this man carries for you? When the world writes you off, when your loved ones write you off, and the devil writes you off, the man of God saying, let me have just one more year with them. You ought to wave your hand in thanksgiving to the Lord for a man of God. The mind dresser that says... Oh, Jesus. Just let me have one more year. I know they've been unproductive. They've been stubborn. They've been self-willed. But could you just have a little mercy here, God? And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around them. I'm going to dig around them with the Word of God. Now, the hard part that comes, he said, I'm going to try to navigate them through when... All of the dung hits them. The dung is a metaphor for life itself. All the problems that you face. The diagnosis that the doctor tries to give to you. Your relationships that are being fought right now. Financial situations. Marital problems. Addiction problems, relational problems, job problems. These are all part of the tongue. But thank God you have a vine dresser that says, I've got to say so on how this hits the root system. Don't you ever get to feeling like that you can make it without a pastor. I wouldn't be in that person's shoes for a billion dollars. I'd rather be poor and have a man of God in my life. Because there's times when I couldn't pray for myself. When I knew my man of God was touching heaven for me. When my brow was fevered and my body was weak. I knew there was a man of God that said, Lord, give me one more year with them. So the vineyard owner says, I'll give you one year with them. But vineyard dresser, here's my concern. While it's there unfruitful, it cumbereth the ground. That's my concern. 
He said, this one unfruitful plant has the potential to affect the whole vineyard. Because in the Greek, the word cumbereth means that it turns everything sterile that's around it. So if you're sitting there sterile, you affect the soil that's around you. When you refuse to pray, your refusal affects those people around you. When your man of God is reaching for you and pleading with you and encouraging you and you still don't move, the vine of the vineyard owner said, that's my concern. Not only is the plant unproductive, but it's causing the nutrients and the proteins in the soil to die. And the ground has become sterile. Let's take a moment and check our soil right now. Where's the soil at, preacher? According to the synoptic writers, it's your heart. The type of soil speaks of the condition of the heart. Where's your treasure at right now? Why are you asking me that way, preacher? Because they said, whatever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Is it out in the world? Doing enough just to get by. Look out because the Lord of hosts is coming. There is a revival of restoration and new souls coming in. So the tree is dying. It's been diseased and wounded. Barren because of its woundedness. And the environments and the elements and the voices and the influences and places and the people in your life will inhibit the healing and the growth in your life. There's people in your life, sister, that inhibits your growth. You leave this environment where the presence of God is so rich, powerful, and real, and you go back to an environment that strains you of everything that you get here. Instead of you winning, they win over you. Preach it. And I'm going to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, I'm going to prophesy to some of you young ladies. If you don't shake that spirit in your life, it will take you out for good. Amen. You hear me tonight. That's not a threat. I'm not a gloom and doom. I'm just saying God's tired of pulling you out only for you to run right back into it. It's time to allow that stem in your life to bring healthy roots where you can stand up on your own and you're not here one week and then gone for another three months. But when you come, you've got some stickability. You've got some growth. You've got some root system. And God gives you the strength to tell that loved one, say what you will. I've got to get to the house of God. Threaten me if you want to. I've got to get to church. You can tell me that you don't love me. We are capable of doing a lot on our own. 
the Lord gives us that much. We are capable of doing a lot on our own. But what happens when it's your spirit that's working? You can tell when people are wounded because they begin to recycle the situations in their life. It's the same cycle. It's the same cycle. I promise you the moon so you fall for the promise, okay? And then in about 60 days, you're right back. Yep. That's yep. a cycle. Now, you need to get strong enough and rooted enough to stop the cycle. Because what you're fighting out there has the potential to stop you in here. If you're not doing out there what you do in here, you've got a weak root system. But if your root system is strong, you're going to praise God at home. You're going to praise God when things go wrong. You're going to pray and talk to God, not just because somebody's prodding you. You're going to lead your children in the right direction because the bank dresser said, let me have one more year with them, God. Just one more year. So the Lord said, okay, you've got the year. But if I come back and they're still unfruitful, I'm going to cast them out myself. Where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. While we have a chance, Living Stone, let's get full of Jesus right now. Yes. The Lord has custom made this cell structure for you. I don't know what your wound is. But you get so wounded, but you will become like the tree that I read in our story. Until your root system is burned away and all it takes is just a slight breeze to finish you off. It said in that story that that tree was at a point of critical balance. And I say to someone tonight, in the love of God, you are at a tipping point. You are like that pendulum. You could go either way. And you're teetering. Some of those that could be here tonight or not, they're, they're at that tipping point. And God wants to bring stability to you. It hit a point of critical balance until because of the woundedness, it wasn't a stormy gale that blew it over. It was just a gentle breeze. So let the Lord touch you right now and heal you. I release the healing power of this Maristem and this vineyard of living stone right now, Father. There's some of this I have no clue what I'm walking into, but you do, God. And I pray to release that cell structure of the Holy Ghost to minister, Lord, that Maristem, the power of the Spirit. Let it reach deep, church. Because you have to be ready for what God wants to do. He's not going to let you walk into it in that condition. You have got to be prepared. You have got to be prepared. Because what happens beneath the surface is going to show above the surface. That's the meristematic tissue. 
and externals don't lie. They are a mere reflection of what is going on internally. When you don't move with the Holy Ghost, it means you're dead on the inside. That's all it means. So I close with this. In New Testament scripture, there is a Greek word that describes a wound or the cause of it. And you can search this out in New Testament reading and you find the word wound or wounded. It will lead you back to a reference point in the Greek. And it will tell you this in Strong's. That Greek word is describing the wound as if a man takes an axe and begins to make a blow on the tree. He takes an axe, boom, and he begins to strike the tree, and it leaves a gaping wound. But one Turkish proverb said, the forest is gone because the axe persuaded them that he was one of them because his handle was made of wood. Just because it looks like a tree doesn't mean it is a tree. The Holy Ghost spoke to me while we were worshiping. The Lord said there is a seductive spirit of deception that is trying to infiltrate some minds. And so let us pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you take that seductive spirit of deception. Help us to recognize the real from the false. Give us discernment. Bind this spirit. Cast it from this body and into the pit from which it came, God to the very source of where it came from, that their minds would not be destroyed from the simplicity that is in Christ. So the Greek word is as if that axe is making a blow on the tree. That's a wound. But left unchecked, left not being taken care of, any wound becomes infected. So now you're not only bandaging a wound. And the metaphor is because of the wound, you're angry now. You're bitter now. You're full of malice. You're resentful. You're hurt. And life is nothing but pain. The reality of life is that it is painful. Nowhere in scripture does it say life must be fair. But you can control your reaction because bitterness is a reaction. So I release healing virtue upon you tonight. We have been in deep places again here tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would summon that angelic host just like you did for Israel on the nation of Assyria. Lord, release it to do its redemptive 
and divine retribution on the enemies of God that there may be revival in this body of believers. The known and the unknown, the spoken and the unspoken. Lord, you know tonight, you move. Get yourself ready, church, because revival is coming. Why don't we spend an altar call just allowing God to heal us right now. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to custom fit you with that meristem tissue. Whether it was an atomic blast, a storm, a flood, lightning strike, high winds, whatever it was, God wants to bring that meristem into your life right now. He wants to heal you. He doesn't want you just existing. He wants you bearing fruit. God had already spoke this message to my heart late last night. And your pastor was sharing with me that somebody had told him, stop wasting your time in Vermilion. What are you doing there? And he said, it hit me wrong, and I'm glad it did. Because he said, I have every intention to see the work of God through. Now, don't any of you be guilty of speaking something negative into his life. Don't you ever tell him you need to, you ought to, you should. No, just follow behind the vine dresser. This altar's open. Pray. You can pray where you're at. You can come forward and pray. But you know tonight the type of healing that you need. All oh, that Maristam tissue. Service. 